White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Good afternoon and welcome in to White Sox Weekly, Saturday, March 11th. White Sox and Padres actually get started in just a couple of minutes. It's one of those rare spring training occurrences where White Sox Weekly and an actual White Sox game goes on at the same time today. So I'll keep you posted on what goes on for the White Sox and Padres today in Peoria, Arizona. We've got the game tomorrow. We'll get to some of those specifics in just a moment. Sox fans, opening day tickets are on sale right now. Make sure you're here on April 3rd at 3.10 p.m. That'll be at Guaranteed Rate Field, of course, to watch your White Sox take on the San Francisco Giants. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. I am Connor McKnight. Kendra Smith is our producer. We've got a guest today, Mike Huff who is the executive director of youth baseball with the White Sox. Going to talk with him uh, about some of the uh, the big storylines through spring training, some rules changes and whatnot. And we get a chance to visit with Mike probably two, three times over the course of a year. Uh, we'll check in with him about the youth baseball activities that are going on for the White Sox coming up in summer. Spoiler alert, if you're driving around, getting yourself set for the day's activities, maybe you got the kids in the car, that kind of thing, and you've been to some of these White Sox youth baseball camps before, or or your child has, or what have you, uh, make a note to go ahead and get yourself signed up for these. There are still openings for some White Sox youth baseball camps, uh, but not a ton. They're moving quick. Mike's going to tell you about at 215 about all the cool stuff your kids can learn and will learn at a White Sox youth baseball camp and let you know exactly where those are, how you can get involved, and what's in store for your kid this summer through some of the excellent instruction at a White Sox youth baseball camp. So that's all coming up, 215. White Sox and Padres get started in just a little bit. And as I mentioned, uh, we've got the game tomorrow here on ESPN. That's with Len Casper and Darren Jackson, of course. Michael Kopech will get the start tomorrow against the Angels. Griffin Canning uh, goes for Los Angeles. And then, of course, it's uh, Mike Clevenger and Blake Snell starting the game today for the White Sox. Uh, give you the lineup here just real quickly. The, you know, the guys that we're taking a look at. A lot of World Baseball Classic in action, uh, and we'll get you posted on some of those scores and some of those storylines from the World Baseball Classic throughout the show today. But top to bottom for the White Sox against the Pods, Leury Garcia is going to play second base. Andrew Vaughn is at first. Andrew Benintendi is in left. Yasmani Grandal, who's hitting 389 in spring and looking real good, is catching and batting four. Jake Berger's DHing Brian Ramos, who himself is also looking really good in spring trading. Jake Marisnik's in right field. He's the seven hitter. Eric Gonzalez has shortstop. He's the eight hitter. And Billy Hamilton is the nine hitter. He is in center field. So some storylines from spring training, some good, some bad, some indifferent, and all of them, you know, spring, right? I, I think over and over again, right about this time in March, where we've had a week, two weeks, 10 days, something like that of spring training baseball when everybody gets geeked up to see their favorite players in their favorite White Sox uniforms, going back and forth across the fields at Camelback Ranch, and you get all amped up for the start of the 2023 season. Then a couple of games go by, and believe me, 
I am as big a fan of this as anybody else. You know that. Love watching baseball. Love watching it. But after a few games of spring training, you have to remind yourself this is still spring training. Guys are still working on things. There are a lot of players, a lot of pitchers who are on these fields working on things that won't see the major leagues in 2023. So you kind of have to you know, recalibrate and remind yourself that so many of the things that we do see in spring training, good or bad, don't mean all that much when it comes to what's going to happen for this particular team or this particular player in 2023, in the upcoming regular season. Now, of course, there are a handful of things that, that will matter. Unfortunately, all throughout baseball and in all sorts of different camps, you're seeing injuries pop up, some fairly, not overly serious injuries. I mean, some guys are missing the season. Gavin Lux, the shortstop of the Dodgers, comes to mind. Um, But there are a lot of injuries to big-name players uh, that have kind of uh, affected the start and and some of the rosters throughout. Fortunately, the White Sox have remained as healthy as you can so far through spring training. But a lot of injuries are popping up, and of course, injuries – will affect the 2023 season. That, that, that thing matters. Strikeout rate for both pitchers and hitters tends to have a little bit of correlation. So if you've got a favorite pitcher out there who's just you know carving guys up, then that's a good sign. If you've got a favorite hitter out there who's striking out a lot, that's not a great sign. But at the same time, those only have a little bit of correlation what's coming in 2023 and not a ton. The other thing I tend to look for, and this is me personally, most will tell you that this is, you know, a thing they watch for in spring training. Some would say that as long as, as it's within the realm of, you know, kind of close fastball velocity, you know, you got a guy who's a hard thrower pumping 99, throwing 97, you know, that kind of thing. And he's working down 92, 93 in spring training. That's, you know, you kind of shake your head a little bit that raise an eyebrow some and you worry a little bit some would tell you that as long as they're fairly close and feeling healthy that's not that big a deal dead arm always comes around in spring and i i mentioned all of those things to get to one of the the bigger uh, and 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 more laughable storylines in spring training so far for the white Sox, or in the last couple of days and when i say laughable it's laughable because we get to look at it we get to say my goodness what a terrible day and then move on just like dylan cease is moving on from his outing against the Kansas City Royals a couple days ago, March 8th. I, it's it's a big conversation because he's Dylan Cease, right? He's the ace of the staff. He's the Cy Young runner-up. And in his second spring training outing, he got shellacked. Two-thirds of an innings, 11 earned runs. They got him up and down three times, twice in the same game. Remember, there's a rule uh, recently, not one of the new rules changes, but I tend to you know kind of misplace it every once in a while once we get down to spring training the last three years. You can remove a pitcher from a spring training game, from a Cactus League or Grapefruit League game, and then bring that pitcher back in in the next inning if you want. You don't have to lose that guy. And this is for exactly this reason. Starters who might go out there at any point in spring, get hit around a lot, hit their per-inning pitch limit, but the team might have a plan that day. We want three ups and three downs for Dylan Cease or five ups and five downs later on in the spring training, that kind of thing. So you want your guy to go sit back down, simulate that feeling of getting out of the inning, getting back into work. And that's what the White Sox and Pedro Grafal did against the Royals. They sat him down after a third of an inning. He got back out for a third of an inning against the Royals. Didn't have it again. 
went back into the bullpen, sat down, got back up. So they simulated the three ups and three downs. And after that game, you know, everybody wrote about it. Everybody asked questions because it is, you know, kind of a big thing. Cease was in the upper 90s, you know, 95, 96. I guess that's not the upper 90s. That's the mid 90s. So the velocity was not quite there. Uh, the slider was all over the place. He faced 13 hitters and retired just two of them. He walked four, did not strike out a batter. He allowed a grand slam. Mostly, he says he didn't have it from the get-go, and then he's moving on. Uh, mostly, you put this one in the trash can, walk away from it, and rebuild afterward. And I, you know, there's a couple of reasons I'm kind of starting the show talking about Cease and his rough outing in spring training. One is, you know, it happened. It's glaringly bad. So you want to make sure, you know, when we talk about all the things that matter in spring training, uh, whether something that does stand out to you matters going forward, you know, whether this is going to have any kind of uh, impact on the rest of his spring. And I, it doesn't seem that way. Cease last year, I think in a conversation that he and I had on White Sox Weekly, and he, he talked about it in other places too. I don't mean to say that he, you know, kind of was only here talking about it, but he mentioned that last year, one of the things that that really kind of spurred his movement toward elite in the American League was his ability to understand his own mechanics and not really have to think about some of those uh, in-pitch or in-mechanics or in-game actions and check those on the way to the plate. Make sure your hand's here, your hips separate here, now take the ball out of your glove, step down the hill and fire to home. You don't... When you're not thinking through all of those things as you're delivering the pitch to the plate, you're looser, you're freer. To make a, a football analogy, we talk about this a lot on defense, right? When a player really understands the defense, he doesn't need to think about his landmarks. He doesn't necessarily have to remember which gap he's got to fill if the run spills out to the right or to the left, who his responsibility is, if a guard should happen to pull on the other side. You just kind of react to the play as opposed within the rules of the, of the scheduled defense. The same way a pitcher, you know, sort of, kind of just reacts to the mechanics that he's working with or trusts that the mechanics he's got are the right ones for that particular start. And that's something that really stood out to Dylan last year, 2022. And none of the comments that he made post-game after this rough one against the Royals had to do with, with that stuff. It, it wasn't, in other words, kind of a check back or a, a backward slide in any way on the progress that he'd made last year. That's a good thing. The other thing that I, I thought was you know, meaningful in this start was that he felt fine coming out of it. That's maybe the most meaningful thing. And the other is that, you know, it was March 8th and it wasn't March 28th. You know, it wasn't the last start of spring. I guess Dylan probably wouldn't throw on the 28th, seeing as he's as likely as anybody to start opening day against the Astros on March 30th. Um, but, you know, it wasn't his final start of spring. It was his second start of spring. So a lot of conversation in and around that Dylan Cease start. Wanted to talk about it a little bit here to get going. I, I Listen, there are some obviously important star players on this White Sox team. In fact, I think you kind of go around the diamond and say, listen, this is a, this is a star-driven team, whether it's Robert or Jimenez or Cease. You know, these kind of guys are the guys that, that have to be there for – you know, X amount of games, X amount of starts in order for the White Sox to track down the Guardians in the AL Central. Cease has posted 32 times each of the last two seasons. He has been an absolute workhorse. Uh, and I, I think the 
the the offseason training plan was altered just a little bit, eased off of some in a conversation that I had with Ethan Katz a couple of weeks ago so that Dylan could arrive at a more, I don't know, kind of rested, ready-to-go, long-haul kind of place once opening day starts, once the White Sox get to the point where they're facing the Astros for the start of the regular season. Because Dylan's that guy. He's that ace. You want him out there every fifth day you possibly can so you can halt the losing streaks, you can extend a winning streak, so you can dominate a good team. All that kind of stuff is available to you when you've got Dylan Cease on the mound. We'll look forward to watching his next start coming up here next week. And, you know, making sure all of the uh, kinks got ironed out. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. We'll get into the World Baseball Classic. We'll talk a bit about some of the high performers in camp. Um, We'll talk some about the roster moves that the White Sox made and a bit more, of course, on the rules changes that are moving throughout Major League Baseball and moving this game faster and faster each and every single day we look. I, I think maybe that's the other biggest, you know, regardless of what, um, you know, who you're looking at or what team or what storyline or or what player you're looking to see emerge from spring training. The one thing that every baseball fan is really seeing crystallize here is the fact that this game moves faster now and the rules changes that got put in over the offseason are for sure altering the game that we've watched over the last couple of decades. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more with the director of youth, youth baseball for the White Sox, Mike Huff. That's coming up after a quick break. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox and Padres are uh, underway right now. In fact, they're out in Peoria, Arizona. We're not there. Uh, Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, the starters there. No score. They're underway. Len Casper and Darren Jackson have the game tomorrow against the Angels right here on ESPN 1000. Right now on White Sox Weekly, it is our pleasure to be joined by Mike Huff, nine years in the big parts of three seasons with the White Sox. He is the director of youth baseball for your Chicago White Sox. Mike, we get to do this a couple of times a year. Always love talking ball with you, my friend. How are you? Uh, I know it's a busy time, believe it or not, for you, even though the camps for all the kids don't open for a little while, you know, once the, uh, the weather starts doing what it's been doing over the last week or so. Yeah, great to hear your voice. Uh, love listening to you when you are out there. Love watching you when you get a chance to get on TV too, Connor. No, all is Thanks. good in the youth baseball world. We uh, we're actually pretty hot and heavy right now. Preseason training for a handful of little leagues and travel team organizations that are hiring our coaches uh, from the Park Ridges of the world to the Clarendon Hills of the world. Uh, it's pretty fun with our coaches doing some training of these travel kids we again like the uh, inner city ace led by anthony alivo have uh, high school level travel teams that we've just finished up their training all of our kids now off to their high school seasons but as you said uh we opened up the website last monday for our summer camps and uh, 54 locations from the northern suburbs northwest west south and, and northwest indiana we already have three camps completely sold out um but uh, there's plenty of options. 
from the second week in June all the way through the third week of August. So, uh, like you said, I'm very excited to get out there and, and excited to talk a little bit about this and all the baseball changes. So the, the plan is 54 camps this summer. And I, I texted, I'll let everybody know, we texted this morning. and I, I actually tried, Mike, to throw into Google Maps. It's Deerfield to North Elgin to Northwest Yorkville all the way to Northwest Indiana. That's just the entire, like, if you laid that over our ESPN 1000 listening area, it's everywhere. It's just like you, oh, can, yeah. you can get to a White Sox camp anywhere you want. Very true. I mean, inner city from the north side at Dunham Park and Clarendon Park down to Armour Square, Mount Greenwood. But like you said, we're down at Oak Forest, Plainfield, um, Yorkville, Elgin, Schaumburg. So whether you're north, northwest, west, and then handful of near west suburbs, near southwest suburbs like the Palos Heights. Um, it's pretty neat to see the excitement from all these parents and kids, um, our coaches, again, taking all the stuff that I learned talk to the Sox coaches, obviously dummy it down to the point of working with 5- to 12-year-old kids, um, boys and girls. We have a couple softball camps, specific one out in the western suburbs, Western Springs, one in Dyer, northwest Indiana for the girls that aren't playing baseball and playing softball. But it is pretty neat. Um, myself, teammate of mine with the White Sox, Dan Pasqua, um, we try to get to every camp at some point so you know kids can work with a true former major leaguer, um, give a couple bits of wisdom here and there, but just try to reinforce the fundamentals really on the first couple of days and then incorporating a bunch of game activity on the next couple of days. I, I think one of the things that's so, talking with Mike Huff, the director of youth, ba- youth baseball for the White Sox, one of the things that's so cool about going to a camp like this is the, the level of instruction you get from people who know how to teach this game. And, and something I've talked about a lot, you know, on, on air and, and broadcast and DJ and I've talked about some too is, you know, you, you may have the same kind of instruction. Somebody may be telling you, do this, do this, do this. Some other coach comes along, puts it in just a little bit different term. You know, that clicks with this student, this athlete, this player in a different way than it had been said before. And then that kid gets it. And I, you and I have talked about just this with, with these coaches going around to these camps. And, you know, maybe it is kind of the same stuff that you learned in, in your little league or whatever, but it hits different here. You, you hear it different. It registers different. And that kid can put it into play uh, when they go out in between the lines. Yeah. It, it, uh, like you said, Connor, it's so exciting for us when it clicks, whether the kid is seven or 11. When, when you're phrasing something a little bit differently, he's really close to getting it. But again, with our experience, having done these camps for over 30 years, um, taking those those buzzwords, those phrases, those fun games that gets the kids in the right position to have some success. Uh, again, we've talked about this. It, it's so exciting for me and my coaches when it clicks and all of a sudden a kid throws three strikes in a row that are like twice as fast as he's been throwing it. And it's like, see, if you use your legs, if you have that front shoulder pointed toward your target and you stride toward it. And I guess some of our buzzwords or phrases or, or the games that we play to get the kids in those positions, when it clicks, you just see them smile. And when the parents are picking them up at the end of that day, like they're running to the parents, like we got to go home <laughs> and practice because I got to show you what I just learned. So it's, it's pretty fun for us. Pretty neat. When it, when it clicks for the kids, too, who – I mean, listen, there's there's all sorts of different, you know, baseball players, right? The, the kid that can't wait to get out there because he hits home runs and he's the best in the in the neighborhood. And there's the other kid that's out there because he's got a bunch of friends. And the other kid that, you know, wait, 
maybe he doesn't like baseball yet, but he's out there and he's on that team. I've been that kid before, and I remember what it was like to have, you know, just just that little thing click where now going to practice or games that next day wasn't like, oh boy, I'm just going to strike out six times. It was, I, I got a chance here. I got something I know that I can go get done and kind of have fun with. And that's a big step for a lot of athletes as well. Well, and then they're contributing. And one of the biggest things that we try to incorporate in our camps are those life lessons that kids can take away from a baseball game, from a White Sox camp specifically, in that, like you, I was the smallest kid always growing up. I was never the captain, never batted third, never an all-star. But when I found a way to lay down a bunt, because someone taught me how to bunt, how to how to catch and throw a little bit better, and I could play a really solid defense, I knew I was walking away from helping the team win. And even if I was 0 for 3 that day, I made one or two really good defensive plays, and my dad was able to say, hey, guess what? That team had seven hits, but they could have had nine if you didn't make those plays. So you know what? Really, even though you didn't get a hit today, you took two away. So you helped your team on a net two basis. And so as we're encouraging these kids that may not be there athletically yet, which, again, was the Michael Huss and it sounds like the Connor McKnight's growing up, we're able to instill some of those really solid life skill fundamentals and the fact that in real life, we all know, you try, you try, you try, sometimes you fail. And in baseball, you can try, 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 and still do everything right and fail, hitting that line drive right at a guy. But then how do you bounce back from that? Do you do you put your head down or do you say, wow, okay, I thought I did everything right. I kind of did. Let me see if I can do it again. And if I do that on a consistent basis, I'll have more successes than failures. Mike, we're seeing this game change, you know, whether it's at the big league level all the way down to, I, I think some in the high school levels, I'm not all that familiar with, with, you know, little league and travel baseball yet. You know, I've, I've got a daughter who may play at that level in about you know, 15 years or so. So I got a lot of time to save <laughs> up, but I, I, with all the changes we've been watching, you played in the bigs from, from 89 to 96. What are, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about the pitch clock, well, let's just stick with the pitch clock and if we'll, we'll walk around to some of the other rules changes as well. What were your initial thoughts? And now how have, if they have at all, how have those thoughts changed once you've seen this in action through almost two full weeks of spring training baseball? Well, the pitch clock, it, it, when I was playing, you didn't need it. it you know, hitters always had sort of their back foot in the box, a quick glance to the third-base coach. Do we have a hit and run and bunt? If not, get right in and you were ready to go. And the pitchers had the ball back and they were ready to pitch. So I think when I was playing, even in the major leagues, it was pretty much a, a, a good pace of the game. Um, so I'm glad they brought it back. So whether it's a hitter that shouldn't be stepping out and adjusting his, I mean, we all know about the Mike Hargrove stories and for families that are listening <laughs> for the first time, YouTube, Mike Hargrove, it, it's scary how long he took between every pitch, yes, but it, I, is. I, it needed to do, they needed to do something to, to speed up the game and just keep the action flowing, not over rushing it, but just like the natural flow of a game, the way that I played it. So I, I'm happy they're doing it. And it's interesting to see, you know, I, I love the fact that they incorporate it in the minor leagues. If I was the commissioner and the grand poobah of all baseball, I would have probably introduced this just to rookie ball three years ago, and then rookie and low A two years ago, and then rookie low A high A last year, and this year it would have been rookie low A high A and double A. And I would have brought it along over a four or five-year period 
because you've got these kids coming out of college and coming out of high school playing travel ball where they know they're on a field for an hour and a half, and that game is over in an hour and a half because there's another game going. So I think they're somewhat used to a quicker pace, and so it's not that big a deal when you slowly transition it up to the major leagues. I think now you've got guys that have been in the major leagues for 10 years, 15 years, and you're expecting them to be able to make this adjustment seamless, probably not going to happen. So I, I think we've already seen some of the pitchers, you know, trying to work too quickly or, you know, push the envelope on, on their behalf and kind of be called out for it. But in general, I'm happy that it, it's it's in here now. My hope is it eventually it kind of goes away or everyone just starts to play this way, the way it was played back when I was in the early 90s, late 80s. But all in all, it, it, it's been pretty fun so far, I think. I wonder what you think uh, about the ban on the shift in Major League Baseball. For, for those just listening or haven't gotten a chance to tune in to uh, a White Sox game yet, it has to be two infielders on the dirt. You cannot play into the outfield grass. You can play, of course, into the apron. You can play the infield in. You cannot play any more than two guys on either side of a line that essentially goes from home plate through second base and then into the outfield. Uh, it's 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 a little bit more like like you guys saw in the '90s. It's a little bit more yep. like like I would see in, in high school baseball, but it does take away um, some of the uh, some of the brain power, quite frankly, that Major League Baseball has put to play on the field in terms of defending or uh, positioning their defenders and taking away base hits. How have you liked it so far? Well, I, I think it's gonna, you're going to see a lot more guys getting base hits, and, and we've talked about this in years past. You know, Being a guy that had to hit to all fields, playing with major leaguers and all-stars that hit to all fields, it's been a little bit frustrating seeing guys more and more just try to pull, lift, separate, that you just scratch your head like, can you just use the other half of the field because there's a lot of hits over there and hitters just not doing it. So um, I think with the analytics, I think a little bit of the money that, you know, people, players were chasing by hitting more and more home runs. I'm, I'm, again, glad that you've tried to bring back a game that looks the way it was originally intended with balance of players on both sides of the field my hope is again now pitchers will again continue to pitch away to a big lefty and he still rolls over a ball every now and then to the second baseman but again if a pitcher makes a mistake and that lefty hits that line drive into short left field I'm kind of glad it's going to be a base hit because he's done everything right and just because of analytics or or again we're going to pitch this guy in because we're going to have five players bunched in this area He's going to hit one hard to one of those five, and we're going to get about yeah, sometimes a little bit too much analytics and, and taking away from the flow of the game. One of the other rules changes have been the bigger bases from uh, 15 square to 18 square, I think. Um, I, you know, listen, I, I played a lot of intramural softball, a lot of softball throughout, uh, you know, the Chicagoland area, the North Avenue beach fields and never up to Skokie and everything like that. And there was always, a, you know, the safety base. There's the first base that's inside the line. And that bright orange bag where no hamstrings get blown out and hopefully no quads get pulled and you're not running into the other guy on the, out, on, the on the foul side of the line. Yep, I, that's yep. always made sense to me. Like I, I just that just makes sense. So a bigger bag always made sense to me. Do you because you could steal a bag. Do you think that increases the ability to take second base or, or are we seeing more steals? because of the pitch clock, because of the disengagement rule. I'm just trying to suss out how much a bigger bag helps versus how the other rules have helped stolen bases so far. 
Yeah, I, I, I would. I'm right on the same page with you there, Connor. I, I don't think that's necessarily the three inches has got every team thinking. Well, now I can definitely steal base because I'm six inches closer to between first and second. I've always advocated for the double base as well at first. You know, it just takes one or two first basemen or one or two ankles being blown because it's a bad throw and a first baseman doesn't hit the front edge of the base. His foot comes back over the middle and the hitter then not wanting to blow out the Achilles tendon of a first baseman tries to step on the side, not right in the middle, and now he blows out an ankle. I've always been a bigger advocate for the for the safety base, the one in foul territory. But with regards to stealing bases, I think, again, the pitch clock, I think only being able to throw over twice, I think you now are getting back to that aggressive that you've got those two or three guys on every team that can run, myself being one of them. Um, I, I like seeing those guys get, again, some more value back into their game and into their skill set and not just have 13 guys on a, on a position player for a team and all 13 being, you know, 6'2 to 6'5, 220 to 250 and hitting home runs. Now, I like the fact that you've brought back that complete game and you've had to, you've got to have those guys that can run because now, again, there's a little bit more value being added to them. I think it's almost more from the fact that pitcher can't throw over more than twice rather than yeah. just the bases being three inches bigger. I think that's going to get to guys too. You know, I, I think yep. that is, I think we're going to see moments where somebody, you know, just kind of steps off the rubber out of habit and that's going to award a base. I mean, we have already in spring training, but I, I think, right. I think it may take a month of, of big moments before. Oh, yeah. oh, well, you know, the and I think kind your of point well said, yes, it's going to take a few months of big moments, a several yeah. series of big series that all of a sudden someone is going to be so caught up with 40,000 people screaming that they don't realize, oh, my gosh, this is the third time I'm doing that, and I can't. I only have two. Or I'm doing something that now this guy's going to get a ball, and now I start to count 1-0 and versus 0-0. And, and uh, I, again, my hope is that within months um, the players get used to it. My fear, and not really a fear, I think it's just going to happen, and you would hope when we get to the playoffs and things like that there's a little bit more wiggle room or everyone is a little bit more aware of it. But my guess is it's going to take a year or two because you've got so many players that never really experienced this through the minor leagues or even when they were playing travel ball when they were younger that they Mike, have to now make that adjustment. Mike, appreciate it so much. Uh, I'll let you go. And, and when you're done, I'm going to explain in detail how fans can uh, navigate the White Sox website, get themselves down to the youth baseball clinics, click and get to themselves uh, to a camp this summer. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And looking forward to talking to you right before these camps get going. Uh, so we can preview all that action, too. Thank you, good sir. Continued success. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, as always. That's Mike Huff, the director of youth baseball for the White Sox. Now, like I said, here is exactly how you get yourself to the link to sign you or your kids. What well, you could sign your kids up for. Your kids could also go to the thing. It, it is still a youth baseball camp, after all. You may be a diehard White Sox fan, but you cannot if you're like 35 Go out to one of the camps, sign yourself up, and get instruction from Mike. That would not be cool. These are for kids. Anyway, whitesocks.com. Then at the top left of the webpage, there's that three-dot thing. Uh, after news, three dots. Go down to community. And after that, scroll down to youth baseball. That will bring you right to the youth baseball camp sign-up page. There are camps all 
over the city and within the city as well. Inner city camps too. So regardless of where you're at, if you're hearing this, you can sign up for a youth baseball camp with the White Sox. When we come back, talk about some of the other big headlines in White Sox spring training. We will talk about one of the hottest hitters on the team and a guy that may matter quite a bit to the success of the ball club in 2023. Some Oscar Colas conversation when we return on White Sox Weekly. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN1000. 1000. Plan gives you the ultimate flexibility. Pick games based on your schedule and your budget. Don't miss any of the action in 2023. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash ticket plans or call 312-674-1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Just got done having a conversation with the director of youth baseball for the White Sox, Mike Huff. You can go to the White Sox website and to click on community, then youth and then get yourself or your kids uh, involved in some of the White Sox youth baseball camps this summer. Mike is the director of all of those camps. They do an awesome job teaching your kid baseball or softball, too. Uh, For girls who plan on playing softball this summer, as opposed to baseball, or maybe both, you can get yourself into a softball camp as well. We serve everybody in all kinds of hardball. The uh, World Baseball Classic is underway. So are the White Sox and Padres, by the way. So we're doing that thing where we've got White Sox weekly and also try and keep an eye on everything going on. Padres lead the White Sox. One nothing. bottom two. Mike Clevenger's given up a run. Uh, Adam Engel's actually playing in that game for the Padres. Old friend alert. Nice guy. Uh, the home run by Austin Nola. The catcher is how the Padres scored that run. Also, you know, the, the World Baseball Classic has largely been played very, very late at night here in the central time zone. Games in uh, Taiwan as so far. And now group play opens up in Phoenix. So we've got some games going on now with uh, Mexico leading Colombia, 1-0. The Dominican Republic and Venezuela play tonight. Great Britain and the United States play later this evening. Korea and the Czech Republic play. I don't know if you've... I don't know if you've watched the Czech team or read stories about them at all or anything like that. They played Japan... Uh, last night, I believe it was, Japan won 10 to 2. Shohei Otani pitched and, and hit and did the whole thing, and it was great. But the, the the Czech team is, is I mean, it's guys who have like real day jobs like players in the 40s and 50s used to have. I think their starter last night is a full time electrician who works at about 78, 79 miles an hour. He struck out Otani. Uh, and, you know, they, they got a couple of hits and scored some runs and the whole thing. It is uh, the, the the director of communications for Czech baseball, like the entity that puts together these 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 countries teams. He is also their starting right fielder. And that's not as much of a knock as it might sound like if you're in there. I mean, the guy's a pretty damn good player, uh, but he's also kind of that's how he got involved in the whole thing. It's a really cool story. They are a, an absolute darling team. Um, you've got cool stories as well, like Lars Newtbar playing for Japan, Tommy Edmond playing for Korea. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. White Sox have made impacts already. 
uh, mostly for Team Cuba. The White Sox have, you know, Team USA with Tim Anderson at shortstop gets underway tonight, like I mentioned, against Great Britain. Uh, that game is is on Fox and at 8 Central Time. Anyway, uh, Yohan Moncada had a really nice catch the other day for Team Cuba, just a sinking liner that would have scored a run over at third base. He was going to his right, showing off some of that gold glove caliber defense over there. He also had three hits and a handful of RBI. Luis Roberts started his time for Cuba, striking out in three consecutive at-bats, but then doubled in a big spot as well. Um, and then I think had two hits later on. So, you know, that, that's coming around a little bit. And, and listen, we're, we're going to talk, we're about to talk about results in March. And that's something that everybody, including White Sox manager Pedro Grifol, will tell you and has told me uh, to not keep an eye on in spring. The thing of it is, what, what had happened was they decided to play a tournament that has a, a winner and a loser during spring training. They, they decided to put on this World Baseball Classic. So results do matter there, I, I guess, to a lesser degree than they do in regular season baseball, but certainly more than they do in spring training. So we're keeping an eye on those White Sox players, and I'll be really interested to watch uh, Tim Anderson tonight uh, if I get the chance and my, my three-month-old daughter doesn't stay up all night screaming at everyone instead. Even if she does, I'm sure I can find the highlights from Team USA later tomorrow morning. Oscar Colas has been a big topic of conversation so far in spring, and, and the reasons are, are obvious, right? I mean, Colas is a guy that's got... I think you can call it the inside track to the starting right field job for the White Sox in 23. And if it's not the, you know, quote unquote, opening day starting right fielder, then it's definitely an inside track to being the guy that plays the most games, starts the most in right field in 2023. All, health, health being what it is. Has a bunch of hits. Colas does. I mean, absolutely looking like he's brought that kind of talent, uh, that kind of bat to ball to Glendale and putting it on display. I was, you know, every now and again, maybe maybe twice a week, I'll go through a good number of teams, definitely the AL Central, and I'll sort those teams, the spring training stats, just by at-bats. Because kind of what I, I, I think maybe you can find there, depending on, you know, what kind of state the team is in, and for the White Sox, is a team that wants to compete for the Central. Based on who's getting the most at-bats, you can kind of see what uh, position battles the manager is trying to to kind of weigh in on. You can see the prospects, perhaps, that the manager, that the organization is trying to push toward the forefront. You can see some of the veterans that are perhaps pushing to get themselves into more action than they otherwise would have. Maybe they had a short season last year. They're a little banged up. They're, you know, looking to, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I think maybe you can suss out a little bit there to that end. The two guys who lead the White Sox in at-bats, this is before today's game started, are Oscar Colas with 26, Jake Berger, and Andrew Vaughn with 25. So there you go, three players for free. Those are guys that, that two of whom matter quite a bit to the White Sox. And the other in Jake Berger, who is pushing for a roster spot, he's got two home runs, which I think leads the ball club. They were both early in spring. Sebi Zavala also has two. I forgot. Uh, but, you know, Berger is a guy who, who wants to earn it. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's got to push and, and put together a really impressive camp in order to make this team. He's got some work to do to that regard. But I think we've also seen in Berger's limited time in the bigs over the last two years that the power plays. And as DJ mentions, as Steve Stone mentions a lot during spring training, if you are a guy like Jake, 
who is on the bubble, perhaps, of your team, who has, you know, had that, seen that Rule 5 thing go by and knows that you're auditioning for 29 others, these are important times for you. And I, you know, I, I told you right before camp opened and we had da- headed down for, uh, for Media Day a couple weeks ago that it, it felt to me like the White Sox weren't necessarily done with this roster. A couple days later, they go out and they sign Elvis Andrews to the one-year $3 million deal. There, there could be, you know, whether it's, it's Berger or, or perhaps some other guys on this roster, and I, I suppose it wouldn't be big you know, impact kind of, of trades that the White Sox could still make here in spring, but, but there are some. And, and there could be some, you know, some of those June moves, perhaps, those pre-deadline positioning kind of moves that you'll see teams make um, on a pretty frequent basis that the White Sox could perhaps line up here. We've seen before that, you know, some of the, the conversations, some of the trades that get done, um, like on the level of, of Frank Herman with the Boston Red Sox, those trades can sometimes be, and I'm not saying that that one necessarily was, those trades can sometimes be vestiges, uh, kind of the leftovers of a bigger deal that teams may have been working on. And then you get down to, you know, looking at some things that didn't work out in that particular deal or, oh, you know, we don't, we don't think we can move this player, but we liked, you know, the, the back half of this deal. You guys still interested in that? Yeah, sure. We can be interested in that. That's how you see some of those things get done. So perhaps there's still a little bit of a, I don't know, tail wagon that affects some teams in the next couple of weeks. Sox fans, start planning your group out into the ballpark. We have party areas of all sizes that can be perfect for you and your group. Learn more about our spaces, including the CIBC fan deck or a patio party. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash party or call or text 312-674-1000. Also, starting at just six tickets per game, cheer on the White Sox from the comfort of your own private suite. The Suite Flex Plan allows you to select games you want to attend. Multiple options are available. And for more information, visit whitesox.com slash sweetflex or call or text 312-674-1000. I have had the chance every now and again to attend a game in the suite. And the view is great. And the hospitality is awesome and everything else. And the ball game is always fun. But the dessert cart that comes around every now and again in that suite, that's where it's at, man. Get yourself out to a suite. Enjoy a White Sox game that way. Um, want to pass along and, and kind of uh, remember a big voice in baseball, uh, a big voice for White Sox fans for many, many years. We'll talk a bit about the passing of Dave Wills when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. We're closing it up here on White Sox Weekly. You can join us in supporting Liam Hendricks during his fight against non-Hodgkin lymphoma and purchase a closeout cancer shirt. Fans can also donate a shirt to an individual fighting cancer in Liam's honor. All proceeds benefit the Lymphoma Research Foundation. Visit whitesox.com slash Team Liam to order a limited edition t-shirt. And you can bring your group out to a White Sox game and receive specially priced tickets along with a great experience. We have private areas for corporate outings, family get-togethers, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash groups. Some sad news earlier this week, the uh, baseball community, I I was going to say the baseball broadcasting community, but Dave Wills was a part 
of the much, much bigger baseball community. Uh, Dave passed away March 5th. Um, he is uh, survived by his wife and two children. White Sox fans know Dave, um, not just because he grew up in Oaklawn as a diehard White Sox fan, as a guy who went to Oaklawn Community High School, went to Elmhurst College. He was the play-by-play man for the Kane County Cougars. He did some play-by-play for the White Sox. He did the play-by-play for the UIC Flames. He was the head baseball coach for the University of Chicago in 1990. He was the pre- and post-game host for White Sox Radio up until the 2004 season when he got the big break and joined the Tampa Bay Rays radio broadcast as the primary play-by-play guy alongside Andy Freed. And the two of them have been doing amazing work from 05 until Dave's passing just earlier this week. I, I met Dave a few times. I can't say that I knew him very well, but everyone I know did. He is a wonderful, was a wonderful person. And just the, the, the attitude, the generosity, the love of the game that Dave had meant so much to so many that were close to him. So for White Sox fans who knew Dave on the air, for Rays fans, for those of you in Oak Lawn who knew Dave as practically the mayor of Oak Lawn, our condolences go out to you. Um, Scott Reifert made a comment to the Tampa Bay Times and said this about Dave. He said the Chicago Jeans never completely left him. He was celebrated each time the Rays visited. Dave loved baseball. His voice and presence will be missed in ballparks and by fans across the major leagues. A sad day. That's Scott Reifert, an executive vice president of White Sox Communications. We feel the same, and our love goes to the Rays and Wills and those families. Thanks for listening to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We'll be back next week here on ESPN 1000.